Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome into the Hard Count. It's February 15th, 2024. The last one on the face of the planet. Got to make it a great one. Man, before we got on the air here, we had a, I don't know if breaking news is what you would call it, but we are getting more news that is relative to the college football landscape as a whole, and more specifically, the college football video game landscape. The Sports Twitter account, the EA Sports College Twitter account, uh, account rather, telling us that they got some concrete news coming for us here in May. Now, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but we're going to give you our thoughts on that because that is massive news for all of us. Also, it's kind of that that part of the year where we we rank things, we list things. We're going to both rank and list things here when it comes to uh, the new quarterbacks within the Southeastern Conference. You know Carson Beck. You know Quinn Ewers. You know what you're getting in guys like that. But what about the new faces? What about Aniko Iamaliava? How does he factor into the fold? Well, we'll talk about it here in just a minute. Going to give you our top five uh, new quarterbacks within the Southeastern Conference. Also, the Sunshine Statement, it is always a factor when it comes to the college football playoff race, the national title race. I mean, how many, how many guys from the state of Florida went to Alabama and won themselves a ring for the Crimson Tide? How many, how many guys ended up going to somewhere outside of the Sunshine State and having massive success? Well, I think there is a tide that is beginning to turn with these big three from Miami to Florida State. And Florida, I think it's a pivotal year for the Sunshine State. So we'll give a, a, a check-in of sorts, a state of the union, if you will, with some of those teams. Also giving you our thoughts on uh, the latest going on at Georgia State. Their head coach just resigned after making several bowl games and says, you know what, I'm actually going to be the run coordinator at South Carolina. The world, the world we're living in right now in college football where we are but we're glad to have you all a part of this glad to have you all along for the ride we got a lot to jump into a lot to unpack 
Can't waste too much more time. Let's start with the most important topic, shall we? We are getting closer. We are. We're getting closer. About 30 minutes before we got on the air here. EA Sports College Football, the video game, the EA Sports College account made a little bio change, right? A little bio change. And if, if you've watched this show for any length of time, we track the social accounts to keep up with everything from the transfer portal to recruiting. And that's kind of how we keep a pulse on things in the college football world. Well, the same thing applies here when it comes to the college football video game. Because you know now, we, we've been waiting a long time for this. It's been, it's been a long time coming since we've been able to uh, play a new version of that game. But the bio change says, coming this summer, full reveal in May. Now, for me, I, I've sort of held the same stance when it comes to the college football video game. I treat it a lot like the release of a Drake album. And not in the sense that I get enormously excited because I do get fired up for a new Drake album. But I mean, like, I'm not going to have total trust in what I'm hearing about it from Twitter or from third-party sources until I hear it concretely from the horse's mouth. Until I get a release date and I know, hey, this is dropping this day at this time, get fired up. Then I start to really let myself be excited because we've, we've had too many times where you, you think it's going to be released on a certain day and, and you kind of get let down or you think it's coming um, at, at a certain date from like a, a third-party Twitter account and it ends up not being true at all or it gets pushed back, whatever, like, this is not as concrete as we would like it to be. However, it's closer. It's closer, and it is from the, the, uh, the horse's mouth here. It is from a verifiable source. Now, what does full reveal mean? I'm going to go ahead and just assume that a full reveal for the college football video game would mean we get the trailer, more than likely for the game. That would be freaking awesome. Probably get a peek at the stadiums and the players in the game, the graphics, all that. Uh, release date? is what I would have to believe a full reveal would entail and also a cover athlete reveal. Now, to be clear, I'd be more than fine if we put Nick Saban on the cover of this thing. I think that would make all the sense in the world, a little GOAT edition. I'm all about that. However, if we're going to go with a player, I'd go with one that's currently playing college football. Like, heck, slap a, I don't know, slap Carson Beck on there. Slap Quinn Ewers on there because that would kind of feel like a sign of the times and say, okay, this is where we are now in NIL. That's a big reason why we have this game coming at all is because of how college football has shifted and how we've sort of evolved on that front. So I'd be, I'd be fine with that, having a current player in the game. But there's a lot of folks now that just, uh, quite frankly, don't get it. And they're going to ask you, hey, why are you so excited about this game coming out? And that's, that's a tough conversation to have because that's like trying to explain to you why it was awesome to run through the sprinklers in the front yard. Like, it, it, if you don't, if you don't get it, I can't really make you get it. Like, unless you were there and you experienced it, it's hard to totally put it into words and articulate why this is special. Because this isn't just a game now. And I, I know I'm getting a little bit poetic. I'm getting on my soapbox here. But it's, it's not just a game. This, to us, as college football fans, as a college football community, this, this was an era. This is an era. Like, this is playing three years, three seasons of one dynasty in one night with some of your best friends on a sleepover. This is running for 4,000 yards as a true freshman at a certain G5 school, finishing second in the Heisman Trophy. I don't know what was wrong with that committee, but they always gave us the second place vote when it came to the Heisman, even though we put up video game numbers, literally. Uh, this is Texas State and Old Dominion National Championship runs, taking them from the bottom of the barrel, whatever they were in, in the game at that point in time, to be in the top of the college football world. This was our college football fix when we didn't have college football games being played. Because we're fortunate to have this job and sit behind the mic and talk about ball all year round, but it wasn't always this way. There wasn't always year-round college football content. 
you would have the occasional one-off show that would pop up maybe once a week or maybe it would pop up closer to spring football and that was kind of when you started to get more and more back into it but like for us this is what fed us for a long time when we weren't having college football in the fold so with this coming back now sounds like there's a lot of uh, modern spins on the game um, it sounds like you're going to have the new stadiums the new uniforms sounds like you'll have the transfer portal which feels like that's that's the only right way to go about it curious to see how they involve nil will we see some tampering in the game i don't know remains to be seen head on a swivel though just because we're getting some more information doesn't mean you're not going to get some bad actors out there some folks that think they have a source they don't have a source at all telling you hey here's the release date it got leaked until we hear something from ea sports we are not trusting anybody still working on getting a, a confirmed source from ea sports college football to come on the show and talk shop with us told you we'd do that we're still working on that head on a swivel now until we get something from one of these sources we don't believe anything all right guard up keep moving forward head up kings good things are coming good things are on the way and also if you follow the on three twitter account we will have the news pretty much as soon as the news gets released like i think we were first on this this morning in terms of having information on a on the game and the whole bio change like if you want to stay locked in also follow the on three twitter account appreciate y'all for that hey in just a matter of minutes here probably 20 or so minutes going to be joined by one of the newest members of the on three family philip dukes has a show on the on three recruits channel five star flex sitting down with some of the top recruits in the country talking their recruitment talking what's going on on the field going on what's off the field dude is an absolute legend so so fired up to have him on the show again that's right around 20 minutes from now it's one of the goats man one of the goats and so we're fortunate to have him on this show here coming up and just going to talk about one him joining on three two talking around uh you know the recruiting landscape who he's impressed with who he's hearing recruits are impressed with so that'll be a lot of fun excited to have that here for you in a matter of 20 minutes all right uh we had something also break before the show not just college football video game news we also had real college football news georgia state's head coach sean elliott is resigning from his head coaching position now, he didn't resign from being the head coach at Georgia State to go take a head coaching job somewhere else or to be the head coach of another G5 job or for an NFL job. He resigned from his head coaching position at Georgia State to be South Carolina's run game coordinator. Now, Sean Elliott has familiarity with South Carolina. He coached there for a number of years. Going back there, it sounds like he'll also be involved in coaching the tight ends. This wasn't the thing where, like, Georgia State was just in a bad spot. Like, Georgia State won their bowl game last year. I understand you're not winning the college football playoff or competing for national championships at Georgia State, but like still, it wasn't, it wasn't like Georgia State was just absolutely down bad when it came to what they had on the field. Now, Matt Berry from ESPN actually quoted uh, the report from Gamecock Central, who is the On3 South Carolina site, the On3 South Carolina Twitter account, rather. And he quoted the tweet and said, uh, or quoted the tweet announcing Sean Elliott was leaving for South Carolina. And he said, spoke to Coach Elliott at the Senior Bowl. He told me NIL challenges and player retention at Georgia State was going to get worse in this new era of college football. It's where we are right now, y'all. It's where we are right now. And it feels like this is not the last time we're going to see a G5 head coach pivot to take a job at a lower level, at a higher level school. Just what, just what Sean Elliott did, taking a run game coordinator job at an SEC school when he could have been the head coach at a G5 school. Now, to be honest, it's hard to blame anybody in the situation. Because think about it this way, college football in so many ways is about building, right? It's about building, especially on the roster side of things. 
You acquire for the, I mean, traditionally, right, two or three recruiting classes, you get your right talent in there. And then once those guys all kind of mature and get developed, then you start having real success on the field. Once you have your standard and culture in place, you build for a number of years to have success. Well, at the G5 level, with the age of the transfer portal and NIL, if you have a good season and you have aspirations to go play in the league, pretty good chance that somebody else at a power five institution or power four, whatever power conference institution saw your games, maybe played against y'all and said, Hey, maybe you could come play for us. Maybe come pay for, come play for us and uh, make a little bit more money doing it too. And at that point, you're like, if you're one of those kids that has that opportunity, how are you blaming them for that? They want to go play at the highest level. They want to go play in the NFL. They want to get more exposure. And then in the immediate part of things, you can make some more money doing so. It's not right, but who are you blaming? Are you blaming the kid? Are you blaming the coaches? Are you blaming the system? I would rather blame the system when it comes to that whole thing. Because at the end of the day, like, what, what's a kid supposed to do in that situation? Has a chance to make a life-changing decision for his future and set himself up for professional success at the next level in the NFL. Give himself a better chance to do that. Hard to blame him. Hard to blame him. Now, going back to this conversation, I don't think this is the last time you see this from a G5 coach taking a position job because what it, I mean, going back to the whole building thing, it's tough now to build at the G5 level. From what I just said, it's tough to hang on to your top talent on a year in and year out basis. Every single year, you're trying to reset your roster because of who you lost through the portal to a bigger institution. And so, if you want to be a head coach, which I would imagine most coaches in college football have aspirations of eventually being a Power 5 head coach or being a Power Conference head coach, the route going from G5 head coach to Power Conference head coach, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's finished, but I do think it's starting to trend in another direction where that's not the most attractive way to do it. Would I rather be a G5 head coach, have my roster poached every offseason, struggle to compete with NIL to keep those guys, and have, and have a, a difficult time having sustained success over the next couple of years to get to that next job? Or would I rather go be a position coach at an SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12 school? I have to worry so much about NIL. I have to worry about the headache that is roster retention. I have to worry about not having NIL funds to retain our guys and just coach ball. And then once I do well enough coaching ball, then I can graduate to being a head coach at a power institution, and then I'll worry about NIL, and then I'll worry about how to manage my roster and things of that nature. It's a wild time in college football. And again, I don't think the G5 to power coach or power conference head coach route is just totally done with, but I do think we're starting to see a bit of a change in how modern college football head coaches are able to take their next job. And I talked to a coach today that told me, if you want to compete at the G5 level, you have to at least be in that top third of your conference when it comes to NIL to retain your players. And even then, at that point, have to believe it doesn't lock in your success rate with keeping guys on your roster. So Sean Elliott, again, resigning from the head coaching position at Georgia State, going to take the run coordinator job at South Carolina, a place he's familiar with, but it feels a lot like this is a sign of the times when it comes to where we are in modern college football. Wild, man. Absolutely wild. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Things keep rolling. Things keep rolling. Again, about to be joined here by that man, Philip Dukes, in just a matter of uh, about 12 minutes or so. See someone in the chat saying, hashtag tell JD per Andy Staples. It's not Power 5 anymore. It's Core 4. I don't hate Core 4. 
That rhymes. I, I saw Andy did a segment on his show about this. I think that's awesome. I have, I have a little bit of PTSD with that phrase, core four, just because where I went to college, core four was like the elite fraternity and sororities. And I just thought that was the most pretentious thing in the world, the most pinkies up thing in the world. So core four, I, I, could, I could be convinced I need a little bit of a, of a brainwashing of what core four actually means. So we can, we can revisit that at a later date. Uh, let's move right along here. ACC win totals. We went through the SEC, went through the Big Ten. Let's take a look at what's going on in the Atlantic Coast Conference. They are, if you want to use the verbiage core four, they would be in that. And we got some, uh, some win totals from FanDuel. One more time I'm going to say this. FanDuel, get your act together. Sponsor the boys here. All right, hey, we, we talk uh, betting lines. We talk over-unders. We talk props. We talk all that. So make sure, hey, FanDuel, if you're watching this, figure it out. Lock it in. We appreciate y'all. All right, some of the most intriguing win totals in the ACC. You got not one, not two, but three teams tied at the top of this thing for over-under nine and a half wins. Let's start with the Clemson Tigers. Dabo and the boys, I like to call them the Chick-fil-A of college football, not just because of Dabo's um, beliefs, but also because of the way that they do things different than anywhere else in the country. And you can be different. You can be closed on Sundays as long as you're providing the very best product college football has to offer, as long as you're providing the best product, the best chicken sandwich fast food has to offer. I don't want to hear any other arguments for any other institution. Chick-fil-A, hands down. We move right along. Clemson at over under nine and a half wins feels ambitious because going back to what I said about Chick-fil-A being closed on Sundays, you could be closed on Sundays when you're the best. Clemson has not been the best the last couple of seasons. And that's not me throwing shade at Clemson. That's just me speaking facts right now. I don't know if I trust the offense enough to think they're going to win more than nine and a half games. That's not a prediction. That's just how we feel right now. Last year, they scored 26 points a game. Now they bring back 70% of that offense. So in some ways you could see, uh, an evolution of sorts and kind of make that next step. And Cade Klubnik kind of gets it uh, figured out a little bit more comfortable. But the defense last year, I felt like, was the strong point of that football team. They have 49% of that production back from a year ago. Okay, so about half that production is gone from last year's defense that I thought was kind of their calling card. Now you look at the schedule, they open with Georgia. Not, not ch- I'm not chalking anything up to a win or a loss. I'm just saying you open with, for my money, the preseason number one team in college football. We move right along. So then you're asking them if you want to have the over nine and a half win total, which again would be 10 wins, means you can only lose two games. You're asking them to go four and one in these five games. NC State, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, at Florida State, who won the conference a season ago. Louisville, who is going to be top 25 in the country to start the year. They just reload with the transfer portal. At Virginia Tech, number one returning production team in the country in your rival game against South Carolina. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying nine and a half for me right now with what we saw last year, what I don't know about the offense, feels a little bit ambitious to me, all right? Now, I love Garrett Riley. I would not be surprised if they had an offensive explosion in 2024, but that's how I feel about it right now. Uh, Moving right along here, let's talk about Miami. The Canes, baby. Vegas putting Miami at nine and a half wins, the over-under total there after a seven-win season feels a lot like Vegas taking note of a one Cam Ward. Now, now, listen, we, uh, we've done, since this show was even independent, and I say independent loosely, but since this show was in a lobby in Waco, Texas, we've done a segment every single offseason talking about teams that we would buy stock in every college football offseason. The last two offseasons, I have said I would buy stock in Miami. Even after the 5-7 and seven season, even before Mario Cristobal took the job there, I would buy stock in Miami. Or I guess as soon as he took the job there, I said I'd buy stock in Miami. Uh, I love the way that they're built. 
I love the fact they got a top 10 class from 2023 that's going to cycle up. You heard me gush about Francis Malagoa being an absolute stud on the offensive line, Ruben Bain. You've heard all those talking points before. But when you look at the schedule, their two toughest games are at Louisville, and then they play Florida State. So they got a two-game stretch there, back-to-back, going to be tough. They get a bye right before going to Louisville. I'm just saying, I think with what this team has on the roster and what they could be offensively with Cam Ward now running the show and that offense looking a lot more like Shannon Dawson, I believe, wants it to, I'm buying stock in the Canes. It's not me making a pick on the over-under there just yet, but I feel a lot better about Miami hitting the over on 9.5 wins than I would about Clemson, so take that as you will. Another 9.5 win football team. How about the Florida State Seminoles? Can we get that transfer portal check to clear one more time? I'm not talking NIL here, baby. I'm talking about can we have the same success rate we've had in the portal the last couple of years? Can we do it one more time? Because Jordan Travis, no longer your quarterback, you are 83rd in returning production. But here's the deal now. Save games, save prizes. Go out and get a quarterback in DJU. You had uh, Brock Glenn on your roster you had Tate Rodemaker on your roster before the bowl game. I think if they had had a conversation and told him, hey, Tate, you're our guy next year, they would have kept him. Seems like they felt a certain way about that quarterback room, wanted to elevate, go out and get DJU. I got four games circled for Florida State. You got the DJU Bowl against Clemson in Tallahassee. That will be, dude, that's going to be so fun. Andy Staples had to sit down and interview with DJU this morning. I'm just saying that's going to be a lot of fun. At Miami, okay, so... We'll see where Miami is at that point in time, but that one you have to expect will have a lot of juice around it. You're at Notre Dame. Okay, now Notre Dame remains to be seen what they are, and then you play Florida at the end of the year. Four-game stretch, but, I mean, if you go 2-2 two and two in that, I'm, that's not a prediction. I'm just saying 2-2. Two and two. I could see them going 2-2 two and two and being just fine and getting the over on the 10-win total. If I had to pick today, I would lean towards a Miami and Florida State ACC title game because, remember now, the ACC, divisionless, hungry game style, free-for-all, Everybody gets a chance at this thing. I would love, I would love to see that game played for an ACC title, just for the sake of that rivalry. So those are the top three that all have nine and a half win totals. Let's take a look elsewhere across the conference. Tell you what, man, Virginia Tech at the over-under win total of seven and a half. That is the NyQuil special to me. NyQuil special, ultimate sleeper pick is Virginia Tech. Because as much as I feel good about Miami and Florida State and Clemson has a lot of talent, even with what they don't bring back on defense, like, I still think this conference is fairly wide open. Heck, I don't even have Louisville that we're talking about right here on this show right now or on this this list, but they could be a, a player in this thing. The way that Virginia Tech finished the year last year, you can't overlook continuity now. They finished five and two in their last seven. They have the number one returning production in the country. Kyron Jones now running the football. That is a grown man. Plays quarterback for them. Transferred from Baylor. Had some ups, had some downs. But when I talk about the ups that he had, they were very high ups. He did a lot of things really effectively with his legs. I think he's got a lot of ability as a passer as well that we haven't seen just yet. Dude's a ball player now. All right, so Kyron Jones, someone to keep an eye on. If he puts it together consistently how we saw him play at a high level last year, and that's just his mode throughout the course of the season. Like, keep an eye on Vatek. Keep an eye on Vatek. Their toughest road game is at Miami. They play Clemson in Blacksburg, which has sneaky written all over it. No NC State. All right, so I think the schedule is workable. They could, they could, be, the, uh, they could be that out-of-nowhere team 
that you see this year in college football. Do not be surprised if we talk about Virginia Tech at the end of the year as being one of those teams that's competing for the ACC championship. Not a prediction, but hey, we're sitting here in February. We're going to talk our cash. And that's how we feel about Vautech. One more team we want to talk about here, NC State. Over under at eight and a half, right? Now, there's several teams in college football that we just call cockroach teams. And when I say cockroach, I mean that in the most endearing way possible because we all know this. When you, when you try and smash a cockroach, like you find one in the kitchen or you find one in your bedroom or wherever, and you try and smash it, it takes, it takes a lot to kill that thing. Like those things are durable. They're tough. I would go so far to say that cockroaches are, in fact, the ultimate program guy. They don't care about how it looks. They just keep on moving forward, and they're all about culture. They stay tough. That's NC State. That is NC State to a T. The last time they won less than eight football games was 2019. All right, this is a Dave Doran team through and through. They are 80th in returning production. Guess who cares? Nobody at NC State. Not a soul at NC State gives a darn about who is or isn't coming back. They're ready to roll with who they got coming back. They got a new quarterback through the transfer portal. Robert and I went and got a guy that I think fits his system in Grayson McCall. Didn't have the success you hoped you would have with Brendan Armstrong last year. Nonetheless, the beat goes on. Grayson McCall, a dude who did numbers at Coastal Carolina, now he's taking a dip in the power conference water. Going to jump in the ACC and see how he fits. I don't hate the schedule for NC State. I don't. I mean, you look at this, they open up with Tennessee. It's a neutral site game, but it's being played in Charlotte. I'm not a whiz at geometry. Or at geometry. Woo! It's a Thursday. I'm not a whiz at geography, but I understand that uh, NC State is a lot closer to Charlotte than Tennessee is. Nonetheless, they're at Clemson September 21st. The heavy lift for them is really that first part of the year. There's no Miami. There's no Florida State. I'm excited about NC State. They're one of those teams to watch without question. Uh, curious to see how it shakes out for them with that eight and a half win total. If, if I had to pick today, I'd probably lean the over on NC State there. So those are your ACC most intriguing win totals in college football. All right, we still got a lot to get into here. We got fresh faces across the SEC when it comes to the starting quarterback position. We got a fun little check-in with uh, the state of Florida. Some more talk on Florida State and Miami here in a matter of moments. I think we're about to have our guy Philip Dukes on here in just a matter of seconds. We got Philip Dukes. Uh, hey, can, can we get this monitor on so we can see Big Philip? Is that something we could do? Can you hear us, Philip? We're on with you, brother. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? My man, I got you loud and clear. Sorry, we're, we're turning on uh, the optics. So I can, I, I'm a weirdo about our, our show. Sometimes I keep our monitor off because otherwise I'm just looking in the mirror and I, I just feel crazy. First off, man, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Man, I'm great, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day in Atlanta, and I'm happy to be here. I appreciate it, J.D. Dude, 100%. So I, I, before we get into all the talk about ball, which we're going to do here in, in just a matter of moments, uh, tell the folks about your journey to On3. You were at 24-7 for a long time. I know you have deep Auburn ties. And now covering the national scene recruiting, doing the five-star flex show on On3 Recruits channel, man. Just tell the people uh, just kind of who you are and what, what you got cooking over there. Uh, well, my name is Philip Dukes, a.k.a. Dukes the Scoop. Uh, got the nickname from just basically having the scoop. Uh, started out as a guy on a message board, kind of built my following on Twitter. I uh, parlayed that into a, a, a paid job at 24-7. I've uh, really put in a lot of work over the last couple of years, parlayed my relationships in Atlanta to become a national analyst. And on three, saw a future with me. I saw the same, and we had the same vision. Now I'm here. Man, from the jump, when we got to get together, and I got to hear about what you're going to be doing with Five Star Flex and your relationships with all these different recruits, I was like, man, this is, this is a no-brainer. 
I mean, I feel like we, we got ourselves a five-star plus and Philip Duke's joining on three. Oh, man. Uh, so talk about the five-star flex a little bit. You've already had a few episodes out with some high-profile guys like Naeem Offord. I know you sat down with a couple guys at Buford. Uh, what's the, the overall vision behind that show and just kind of what you have cooking over there? Uh, the vision for the five-star flex is, for, is somewhere where the tagline is basically where uh, the ranking isn't just what a five-star is. It's the mentality. So guys who have a five-star mentality is what I want to showcase. Guys who get up and do the extra work. Guys who come from the struggle, who, who quote-unquote get it out of the mud. Also the guys who may not have had a, a, a rough upbringing but really care about football in a way that they want to come on a show and flex who they are. And that's what the show is about. Uh, we're not leaving kids at the – where you're going to school, and that's all. We want to get in and find out who you are. Now, we're going to talk recruiting because that's what we're here for, but it's a platform for guys to be able to show who they are, and you never know in this landscape, it could potentially land you some NIL or branding-type deals. So it's really a, a show for the guys, about the guys, for the guys. I feel like it's the perfect show for where modern college football is at and where recruiting is at, where, like, who these guys are as players is becoming more and more important and becoming more and players and people more and more important and more and more center stage with how they can brand themselves and NIL and all those things. Uh, you've got a chance to talk to a lot of high profile guys, like I already said. Who are some of the schools that continue to come up in these guys' recruitment? I know that there's a lot of, you know, usual suspects. You know, LSU is the top school in 2025 right now in the on three industry team recruiting rankings. But who are some of the schools that continue to make the right push for some of these top guys? I think a school in the Southeast that's making a huge push that I've had, if I've interviewed maybe nine guys, all of them haven't released, but I've had about nine interviews in the past week and a half. And uh, Oregon has been in at least five of them. And these are all four-star higher guys. But Oregon is making a very big push in the Southeast. I had one guy who was in uh, uh, Martellus Carter, who's uh, the number one player in Kentucky, said that uh, Oregon visited them twice in uh the father, who was also on the show, was saying, you have to be very intentional about coming to Paducah, Kentucky, to recruit a guy. And uh, being able to see Dan Landon in that capacity has really influenced him and more kids in the area. Uh, Naeem Offord, he's solidly committed to Ohio State, but he literally on the show said, that's one place I have to visit is Oregon. I think Oregon has – they really got it going right now. And uh, they're, they're able to recruit with the national imprint, which I think is huge being such a polar opposite on the Pacific Northwest. I was going to say that brand, man, like for this generation of kids, they grew up seeing Oregon as being one of those players nationally in college football. Like they saw Marcus Mariota win the Heisman. They saw them play for a national championship. They've seen them win Rose Bowls. How much is that Oregon brand carrying weight for these kids on top of the Dan Lanning effect that you just mentioned? So I think we're in what, what I like to call a microwave generation where it gets hot fast, but it cools off fast as well. So <laughs> I, I think that, that uh, with a lot of these kids, I think it's more so what have you done for me lately? When you look at the class of 2025, they were born in 2007. By the time 2013 rolled around, they were only six or seven years old. Most college football fans wake up around the time they're 10. So all they're seeing is 2015 and better. So when you look at that, it, it kind of it kind of diminishes a little bit of what Oregon was able to do in the in the mid 2000s all the way up to the mid 2010s. But I think that by being able to have a young coach who's who's really in tune with the culture, uh, the uniforms never do them any disjustice injustice. Excuse me, like <laughs> the uniforms always help. 
And I just think that having that big Nike brand and understanding who Phil Knight is, which a lot of guys do, I think it really helps Oregon a ton. I love what you just said. Most college football fans wake up when they become 10 years old. Like at that point, you kind of get a gauge for who different teams are across the landscape. And like right. you said, if I can take a visit to Eugene, Oregon and try on those, uh, those icy all whites, maybe it's the, the highlighter yellows. I'm like, yeah, for my Instagram, I'm absolutely taking a picture there and taking a visit there and maybe absolutely. give a second thought to Oregon. Uh, LSU, we, we talked about them a little bit. Number one team right now in our on three industry team recruiting rankings for 2025. What is LSU doing well to be able to make the, the statement they're making right now? I think they have three players that are tops their position right, right now in the boat. Yeah, I think when you look at this, so now this is where the recency bias really helps you. When you look at the guys who are popping in the league right now, like not even going back to a guy like a honey badger, let's look at the number one receiver in the league or the top two receivers in the league, depending on who you ask, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. You look at that 2019 uh LSU team, where you got Joe Burrow, where you have all of these guys, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you've got the two, uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. These guys have proven and elevated LSU to a level where it doesn't matter what happened last year. We know this is somewhere that we've seen with our own two eyes that you can be successful at if you have the right people. When you look at what they were able to do with Jaden Daniels, he leaves Arizona State. They clean out his locker for him. You basically call him trash, and then he goes, but wins the Heisman in the offense. So, of course, Bryce Underwood, the number one, like, hmm, if that guy can do it, why can't I? DeCorian Moore, the number one wide receiver, when you look at building a battery, that's exactly what you want. And I think LSU really has it. And shout out to uh, Brian Kelly at LSU because he gets down there, he has that weird accent, and he's trying <laughs> to talk Southern, and he's dancing with the recruits. But what I saw was effort. And I what. And I saw that he was willing to maybe step out of his comfort zone in order to endear himself to a region where you have to be successful in order to be successful in college football. So I think that uh, LSU has really taken to basically their home territory and kind of expanding their imprint using their NFL connections. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can put just a fence around Louisiana if you're LSU and just grab at least like half of that top talent, you, you in theory right. should be in pretty good shape going forward uh, to win a lot of football games. Now, team that's won a lot of football games over the course of the last couple of years, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. They're just doing Georgia things right now. Are they benefiting a little bit from the Nick Saban retirement and kind of being that perceived top dog in the SEC right now? Yeah, I think you have to when uh, when you think about who has the best track record lately when we talk about the recency bias again, Georgia has been that team. Uh, and they're the only team that's won that national championship that has it going the same way they do now. Like Michigan, I, I really saw if, if Harbaugh was able to stay at Michigan, then yes, I thought it would it, it could have been a little different. Hmm. But being that Harbaugh's gone, being that Saban's gone, being that Day hasn't done it yet, you gotta look at Kirby Smart as being head honcho when it comes to college football coaches. And Georgia just has a program that's churning out NFL guys. It's a popular place to be. You look up, you see Quavo from the Migos on the sideline. And Kirby Smart is not afraid to get his hands dirty when it comes to recruiting. And that means going to the high schools that, that may only have one recruit, he's willing to go there just to build upon that relationship in case there is a five-star in, in two to three years. Uh, for example, uh, there is a training facility in Alabama called Madhouse, Montgomery. Shout out uh, to Tracy Varner and, and the guys over there. But at Madhouse, they don't have a big-time 2025 recruit. But Kirby Smart still landed a helicopter there with his whole staff 
to say, hey, you know, we're just making sure that you know that when those guys come through, Georgia's the place for them. And uh, I think those efforts and being able to be relentless on a recruiting trail and the way Kirby Smart goes about it is the reason that Georgia is who they are right now. I love the helicopter videos. Anytime those pop up somewhere, I'm like, dude, if I'm a recruit, if I'm a high school senior and all my friends see a, a helicopter landing on our track or wherever you're at, like I'm, I'm at least giving them a visit, if, if not maybe thinking pretty hard about uh, making a pledge there. Uh, Auburn, Absolutely. obviously, a place that you're really familiar with. Hugh Freeze is a dog on the recruiting trail, man. I mean, what's the momentum they have right now? You know, last year wasn't the year I think that they wanted to have. It was, it was still progress. Year two, I'm sure, will, will be a, a scene in itself. What are folks saying about them on the recruiting trail right now, specifically recruits? Uh, Auburn is a brand that needs to be revived, and I think now you're at, at the. And what I mean by that is, a lot of these kids didn't get to see Cam Newton when I just when you talk about the age, they they don't really remember Cam Newton being the player that he was the same way that you and I do. But they know the brand. They know that Auburn is a, is a Power Five school, SEC school that's an hour from Atlanta based on where you live in Atlanta. Like, if you live in College Park, where I'm from, it only takes you – It's Auburn is closer than Georgia. They also see a coach that is relentless recruiting. Hugh Freeze involved – if you look at all of the top guys that Auburn signed last year, the majority of them said Hugh Freeze was a major, major influence in their recruitment. And I think when you think about what Brian Harson, his style of recruiting, uh, the Auburn's former coach, they were – it was night and day. He ran the program more as a CEO. He wasn't the type of guy that wanted to talk to recruits all day. Hugh Freeze wants to talk football. Like, that's what he wants to do. And it kind of shines when he's able to get on the phone with recruits and he's able to talk to parents. So now when you think about the color scheme that Auburn has, the traditional jerseys, the proximity to really good, fertile recruiting grounds, I think that Auburn is somewhere that is – over years past, it had been overlooked, but now when you see five stars start to go, when you see the the pro, you see how they play Alabama, you're able to sell that with a couple more guys like you, that game becomes a two touchdown victory. And if somebody goes for it, then I think that's what you're seeing with the revival and recruiting in Auburn. It really feels like a powder keg. I mean, with Hugh Freeze, the way that he's recruiting, and like you said, the way that they played Alabama so tough, they played Georgia down to the final possession. Like if they get a couple more guys up there and get that talent level where they want it to be. Like, look out. They could be one of those major players in the SEC. Phillip, last question for you, man. We talked about uh, Auburn. Alabama, obviously. I think a lot of people just have, have question marks about Kalen DeBoer and how he's going to recruit. It was obviously massive being able to get a recommitment from Ryan Williams, who decommitted after Nick Saban retired. What are folks saying on the recruiting trail about Kalen DeBoer and his efforts so far in Tuscaloosa? They're saying give him a chance. Uh, multiple uh, guys that I've had on a five-star flex off the record that they I, 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 you know, some of those are edited heavily uh, because sometimes <laughs> people get so comfortable. They say some things that they may not uh, want out yet. But Caleb DeBoer is doing work. Uh, there are going to be some guys that show up on the show that have already committed to get an Alabama official visits uh, that they don't want out yet. But I'm telling you, Caleb DeBoer is a guy who has the offense, the offensive mind that's attractive to offensive recruits. And he believes in making sure that the defense is able to play freely, from what I understand. So when you're talking to guys uh, who, are, who are supremely athletic and who want to be able to show their skills and play fast without having to do a, a, a chemistry equation before they go to where they need to go to make, to make a tackle, that's very attractive. And I think that he's going to do well in the Southeast. Duke's the scoop, baby. Man, I'm so fired to be working with you. I'm so pumped. Thank you for making time to, to jump on this show. We were trying to get you on recording. J.D., can I get 30 seconds, J.D.? 
100%. Yeah, 100%. So to everybody, this is what I want you to do. Go look at J.D. Pacquiao's high school highlights, and you will see why I will no longer call him J.D. Pacquiao. I will call him T.D. Pacquiao for touchdown because this man balls. Straight up, J.D. Hey, man, look. Love you, dog. We'll talk soon. 100%, bro. I, I, I appreciate that. The, the Venmo is on, is on its way for, uh, for that quick plug, brother. I appreciate you, man. I'll do it again real, real soon. Okay, bro. Philip Dukes. Hey, go check out Five Star Flex on the On3 Recruits channel. Just between him and Josh Newberg, it's just banger after banger over there on that channel. That, that was, uh, man, that's awesome. I'm so fired up to be working with him. Another massive addition to the On3 team here. Philip doing tremendous work. Tremendous, tremendous work. Big play there by Nick Brake, too. Big play by Nick Brake. Uh, that was on me flying blind there with, with no monitor. But Nick stepping in, making plays. And also, we have Jackson Odette, who actually is the producer for the five-star flex, uh, Philip Dukes' show. So classified information on that show, getting edited out. Jackson Odette has, uh, has some intel now, it sounds like. So we'll get, tune into the five-star flex. That's all I'm going to say. Appreciate it, Big Nick. Making plays, man. Making plays. Appreciate everybody tuned in live. Hey, like the video. Subscribe if you haven't already. I see someone in the chat saying TD Pacal, man, that, uh, talk about an ego boost for your Thursday, man. That made, that made me feel really good. I'm not gonna lie to you. That made me feel real good. Um, all right. So we're going to keep on rolling here. Got a few more things to get to talk to Dukes about where things are across the landscape in the recruiting world. Hey, let's take a look at what's going on in the recruiting world and maybe just the overall state of things in the sunshine state. I highlight the recruiting side of things because of the top 50 players from the 2024 class. 10% of those cats were from the Sunshine State, including the number one player in the entire country for that class, Jeremiah Smith. The translation here that I want us to all get online or get on board here with is the top talent in the country, a lot of it resides in the state of Florida. So with that being said, if some of these schools from Florida State to Florida to Miami, heck, maybe even UCF, they can get some momentum here with, with uh, uh, Gus Malzahn here in this upcoming season. Those are the keys to college football playoff appearances and ultimately national championships. If you don't believe me, look at who Alabama had on their roster when they were winning national championships. Okay, they had a lot of dudes from the state of Florida. So we're going to kind of unpack the state of the union here for these different schools across the board here in the Sunshine State. First things first, like I just said, make sure you're subscribed. Talking ball every single day. Have the best team in the country behind the scenes here and also on this platform, the On3 YouTube channel. Andy Staples, just banger day after day. That's at 8 Eastern. Every single weekday. Uh, Josh Newberg and Philip Dukes on the On3 Recruits channel. Bangers. Just make sure you're locked in because we don't stop talking ball on this show, right? So appreciate y'all for that. Let's get back to it here. The state of Florida, what's going on there? Let's start with uh, the defending champs of the state, which is, of course, the Florida State Seminoles. And the question I have for them in this upcoming year is, can they start to create real separation by winning the state for the third year in a row? And when I say winning the state, of course, we're talking about beating Miami and beating Florida like they did the last two years. But it's not just about winning the state for a, a rivalry and bragging rights. Like It's about sending that message that there's real sustainability going on in Tallahassee. Because you re-upped Mike Norvell, kept him home, kept him from going to Alabama. And when I say home, I mean you kept him in, in uh, being the head coach at Florida State. That would send the message to all this top talent in the Sunshine State. Hey, listen. We are the big dog here, and it wasn't just a thing where we had this great portal class and we had Jordan Travis. Like, this is how it is here in Tallahassee. If you come and play at Florida State, 
you're going to be a part of the best team in the state, and you're going to compete for national championships and the college football playoff year in and year out. That's what we have here. Come be a part of this. It's rolling, and it's not stopping anytime soon. We're headed one way. A lot of that will be based on what they do this upcoming season. Because now they've had two really great years in a row. Double-digit win season the year before. They should have made the college football playoff for a lot of people's opinion this past year. This thing has got momentum now. But if you do it for a third year in a row with a brand new cast of characters with no Keon Coleman, no Jordan Travis, nor jo no Johnny Wilson, no Trey Benson, like with a whole new set of folks on your roster but have similar results and similar success, it, it just communicates sustainability in Tallahassee. All right, so Florida State, big year for them. Very big year. Separation year, if you will, for the Knowles. Now, let's look at another school, obviously, in the Sunshine State, and we'll go to the SEC here. How about Florida? The SEC for them, I believe, is a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, kids want to play in the SEC. Kids see the guys that go play on Sundays. All these guys that play at these schools or that have you know, big-time offers out of high school, they want to go play at the highest level for a job. They want to make millions of dollars in the NFL. You play in the SEC, it's a pretty good way to do that. Pretty good uh, insurance, if you will, for your NFL draft stock. On the other side of things, though, for Florida, it's the toughest conference in college football. It is the toughest place to win week in and week out. Not to mention you add in now Texas and Oklahoma to the mix, which will just make it that much more difficult. So fair or not, this upcoming season for Billy Napier, this is a what are we kind of year for the recruits. And what I mean by that is, are we going to compete in the SEC? Or what's the conversation after this season? And when I say what's the conversation after this season, I don't mean that you're you know, cleaning the house. There might be a reset button of sorts. There probably is some desire to have good success in 2024 to help give some job security to Billy Napier. But I think the danger is if you don't have success this year, the optics become more difficult to recruit. Because at that point, you're looking at multiple years of not having the kind of success you want on the field and saying, well, if it's not happening two years in a row, is year three really going to be the year where they have a, a pop-up year? I say year three. That would be year four for Billy Napier. Is that really a situation you want to buy into and get on that elevator? You don't know which way that thing's going. The other thought is, do you have to pivot just overall from a, th from a thought process point of view? Do you have to go a little bit more heavy in the portal to try and get this thing afloat? I don't know. We're about to find out, but again, I think this is very much so a what are we kind of year, kind of a defining year of sorts for Florida and Billy Napier. Now, Miami, this is a, this is an opportunity to be a really fun year for Miami. I think Miami, when you look at the last couple of seasons for them, it has been a building the foundation, climbing the ladder, walking out on that diving board. This could be their cannonball year to make a splash. I truly believe that because they went five and seven the first year, they went seven and five last year. Okay, so what is that? A two-game improvement. Behind closed doors, they just are doing things in a better way. They're, they're, they're installing their standards. They're recruiting well. Mario Cristobal, the headline that we got with him when he took the job at Miami was, dude acquires talent. He's done exactly that. Two top 10 classes, attack the transfer portal. You go get your quarterback in Cam Ward. Now this year, you make a splash. And this, to me, parallels really nicely with what Texas did under Steve Sarkeesian. Same kind of situation. Big brand. In recent years, underachieved. People have questions about culture. That third year, though, Steve Sarkeesian won the conference, made the college football playoff. I'm not predicting that's the same thing for Miami, but I do think it trends the same way because they went 5-7 and seven their first year. They went 8-4 and four the second year. 
And then that third year, they had a quarterback in place. They had their culture in place. They had a lot of talent on that roster. They had worked to, quite frankly, improve a lot to get to where they needed to be from a roster talent point of view. Made a splash. Made a very big splash. Is that the case for Miami in 2024? I think it could be. I definitely think it could be. Now, here's the other part of this. Uh, we have a, a fourth team in the mix here. And we don't, we don't have a, a ton to talk about with them. I wanted to kind of just uh, at least just touch on it just a little bit. Keep an eye on UCF. Just keep an eye on them. Now, they don't have the same brand power as a Florida State or a, a Florida or Miami, but, like, they're now in a power conference in the Big 12. They went and got themselves a proven commodity at quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. They got a quarterback, or excuse me, a, well, yeah, a quarterback whisperer in a lot of ways with your head coach and Gus Malzahn. I like that combo a lot. We've seen Gus Malzahn have a lot of success with a big-body quarterback that's able to run and throw it. His name was Cam Newton. They won a national title. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, now he was the offensive coordinator for that team. wasn't the head coach, but you hear what I'm talking about. Top 15 recruiting class currently in 2025. A top 11 portal class. I'm just saying, if they get some success, I think a lot of kids would like the idea of blazing their own trail and going to a place like UCF. So we're not predicting it, but I'm just saying they now have to be factored in this power school conversation when it comes to the state of Florida. A lot of, hey, exciting times, exciting times. Anyone that said college football takes a break, if they were your friend, they're not anymore. They lied to you. They lied straight to your face. We're talking about, I mean, we're filming like an hour-long show here, and we're sitting here in mid-November, but the party rolls on. supposed to be dead season, not at all. So this is the part of the year, too, where we get to rank things. We have a lot of ranking segments coming your way, working on a segment series where we give you our our, uh, projection rankings, not power rankings, projection rankings for teams across different conferences. But where I want to start today is ranking the top year one quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference. Some fresh faces. You already know Quinn Ewers. You know what you're getting into Carson Beck. You know Jalen Milrow. But what about these guys that we've never seen be a starting quarterback for the entirety of a season just yet? We've got a lot of them, a lot of high-profile names. Actually, I want us to get to right now. We'll go five to one. We'll start with number five. Lenoris Sellers still has to win the job. Dante Reno is a high-profile quarterback recruit that is going to work to compete for that job here in spring camp. Full transparency, I expect it to be Lenora Sellers when this whole thing kicks off. That's a big boy now. That's a very, very big boy from the 2023 class. Our comp for him was Jalen Hurts. I should tell you how highly we think of his skill set. Charles Power actually went so far as to say that he thought Lenora Sellers was a more refined passer than Jalen Hurts was at that point in the cycle. He is six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pounds, y'all. Good luck to your local linebacker having to tackle him on quarterback power. Good luck whenever he breaks contain, he gets downhill. Tons and tons of ability. Again, he still has to win the job, but I think Lenora Sellers has a chance to do some really good things at South Carolina, just purely based off his ability alone. Also, if you're seeing this right now live, look at the Rex Specs, baby. Any anybody that wears Rex Specs, you're goaded. All right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wore Rex Specs. Eric Dickerson wore Rex Specs. I'm just saying Mount, Mount Rushmore, Rex Specs, Lenora Sellers. Put him up there. All right, at number four, a guy that I'm going to refer to as BVG, but his legal name is Brock Vandergriff. I think he might have the highest boom factor of anybody on this list. And when I say boom factor, we've used that a couple of times on this show. That basically just means when we fast forward the tape, let's say a few months from now, we could see him shoot up this list. 
five-star quarterback from the class of 2021. He was a top five quarterback in that class. Now, he transfers to Kentucky by way of playing quarterback at Georgia. The folks in Athens now, when that whole battle was going on behind closed doors during spring football before the spring game when Carson Beck kind of more or less won that thing, there was a lot of buzz around Brock Vandergriff. They were saying, hey, it's back and forth. Hey, the coaches like Brock Vandergriff. They like, they like his toughness. They like what he does running the football for them. Hey, this is a ball player now. I don't know if he's going to win the job, but this is a ball player for you now. He made it tough on that staff, I believe, for the majority of spring and even at parts of fall camp. Tons of weapons at Kentucky. Another reason I really like him in 2024. You got Dane Key. You got Barry and Brown, who's lightning in a bottle. If you're able to distribute the football correctly in this offense, you will score a lot of points. I understand Liam Cohen's gone. Brock Vandergriff, his skill set and the talent they have in Kentucky, the talent they have on this offense, the weapons, I think good things are set to happen in Kentucky. Just because you didn't play at Georgia doesn't mean you can't still freaking sling it. So Brock Vandergriff, number four for us on our fresh faces list for quarterbacks in the SEC. Now, not just a fresh face, but a fresh team to the SEC in Oklahoma. Jackson Arnold, baby. Interesting thing about Jackson Arnold here. Top five quarterback in 2023. Five-star plus kind of cat. Everybody in their mama knew what they saw when they saw Jackson Arnold. He's a five-star player. If Oklahoma didn't feel like Jackson Arnold was going to be great, they would not have allowed Dylan Gabriel to walk out that door and go to Oregon. That's just the fact of the matter. You saw the ability in that bowl game. You also saw a lot of turnovers. I think if he's able to put it together, he has a chance to have a ton of success in year one at Oklahoma. Now, the SEC will be tough, but I'm just going back to the bowl game. Like, yes, you saw him make some poor decisions. You saw him make throws late where you can't make throws late in college football and end up being interceptions. But, like, I also saw him running left, have to get his hips around, throw to the back corner of the end zone with someone getting after him, having to avoid the rush and just throw a dime rock. I also saw him drop a 60-yard bomb to his guy in stride for a touchdown. So as much as there was some things that made you say, ah, don't love that, I chalked that up to being a true freshman. I think when he gets a full offseason under his belt, he has too much ability to not be a big-time player in the SEC. So he's number three on our list. Now at number two, y'all hear that? We've got some construction going on here around uh, the on three headquarters, but it's not the construction it's the Nuss bus. The Nuss bus is coming full steam in Baton Rouge. Garrett Nussmeyer, man, we, we've seen the preview now. You've, we've seen the preview. We've seen him sparingly at LSU. Now you get to see the movie. Garrett Nussmeyer, man, tell you what, if he's guilty of anything, it's loving to sling that football downfield, man. That was kind of the knock on him at different points when he was battling for the job when Jaden Daniels first got to LSU, was like, hey, this guy can throw the ball a quarter mile. The problem is he wants to throw the ball a quarter mile. It feels like every other play. Got some gunslinger to him. To be honest, man, I don't mind that. I definitely don't mind it when you got Kyron Lacey running downfield for you. C.J. Daniels by way of the portal. is a 1,000-yard receiver at Liberty last year. He's at LSU this year. Garrett Nussmeyer is going to sling the ball downfield to those guys. I think it's going to make for some good things happening. Joe Sloan taking over as the offensive coordinator in Baton Rouge with Mike Denbrock leaving for Notre Dame. I think the offense will look pretty similar to what it did a season ago. You may not see the same uh, run-pass options on the, on the perimeter that Jaden Daniels had. Garrett Nussmeyer just not the same kind of player as Jaden Daniels is running the football, and that's not saying a lot. Jaden Daniels is kind of a one-of-one one in that respect. Dude can sling it. I, I want to make sure that you leave this segment knowing that. Dude can sling it. 31 of 45 in the bowl game for 395 yards and three touchdowns. I think there was one pick in there against Wisconsin in the bowl game. If nothing else, he's going to push the ball downfield. 
I think it's going to be a lot more than nothing else. I think he's going to have a really good season for LSU. And I think you'll see that offense continue to churn at a really high level, score a lot of points. Now, at number one, I believe the best quarterback, the best new quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, a name that a lot of folks are getting real familiar with saying in a real short amount of time, Nico Iamaliava, the quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. This guy was the number one player in the class of 2023. I'm not a scout. But I watch football with my own eyes, and I see this dude play ball, and I believe there's no ceiling for what he can be at Tennessee. Like, physically, I don't see any limitations for him pushing the ball downfield. I don't see any limitations for him when it comes to what he does when he tucks in and runs. I said this on a previous show. I'm going to say it again. We've seen what the Josh Heupel offense is supposed to look like. Okay, that was in 2022 when Hennon Hooker drove that thing like a NASCAR, and they scored north of 40 points. That's what Nico brings to the table. He brings that same ability. Now, do they have the weapons around him to score at that clip? We're going to find out. But I think with what he does running the football, it's a small sample size we saw in that bowl game. But those three rushing touchdowns, the way they called the offense for him against Iowa, which was a really stingy defense throughout the course of the year, that's going to put extra strain on the second level of a defense when you're worried about Nico and him having a little bit of RPO, check the screen, it's not there, okay, I'm going to tuck it and run and get north on a quarterback inside zone or whatever it ends up being. Like, he's got that kind of ability when he gets in the open field to really hurt you. That's something you got to prep during the week at the least and something that can make you pay on Saturdays at the worst for a defense. So, Nico Iamaliava, the offense, the ability, the tools. We love Nico Iamaliava, if that wasn't clear enough. So, to recap it for you, our top five year one quarterbacks in the SEC, this is a, this is a mix of projection and prediction and what we know about them right now. Lenora Sellers at five for South Carolina, 6'3", 245. Good luck tackling him on quarterback power. Kentucky's Brock Vandergriff, a little BVG action just because you couldn't play at Georgia doesn't mean you can't be the dude at Kentucky and make a lot of good things happen. Jackson Arnold, number three, five-star plus player, expect him to do great things. Garrett Nussmeyer, the Nussbus, moving full speed ahead in Baton Rouge, and then Nico Iamaliava at, or at number one for us. Uh, when it comes to the new quarterbacks in the SEC. All right, let's keep it moving now here. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear from y'all. Let's hear from y'all. Before we do that, though, wanna want to do a quick ad read here for us. So the task now for y'all in the live chat, those of y'all that are tuned in, get in the live chat, hit us with your questions, hit us with your takes. Had a few of them already in the live chat we've read off during this show, but uh, we'll get to those in a matter of moments. All right, the hard count was brought to y'all by our friends over at Game Time. In game time, listen, I understand that college football games are not being played right now. Doesn't mean there's not still tickets for things to go to. We have a, one of our producers for this show, Trey Anity. Dude loves NASCAR. Guy loves left turns as much as anybody else that I know. And I believe it's the Daytona 500? Daytona or Indy? Daytona 500. Nick Brake is nodding yes, Daytona 500. That's coming up this weekend. If you want to be there, you want to be there for the best price? Game time taking care of you. And we're taking care of you with game time. So, First part of this, know before you buy, all right? Know what you're looking at from a seat perspective via the app before you hit purchase. And then when you do hit purchase, you're getting the best price. You want to know how I know? Because game time, they got the game time guarantee on that thing. If you find a ticket in the same section and row for less than what you paid for game time, they say, you know what? That's not right. That's, we're not okay with that. 110% of the difference credited right to you. Bada bing, bada boom. So watch the Daytona 500 in style. Very important now. Most important part of this whole ad read, if you hear nothing else, hear these words coming out of my lips to your ears via the YouTube or the podcast, however you're listening. Use code HARDCOUNT 
for $20 off your first purchase, all right? H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T, that spells hard count, $20 off your first purchase. So terms apply, again, create an account, redeem code hard count, game time. Best tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Guaranteed, we absolutely love it. Another guarantee for you is that Nick Brake is crushing the production of this show. Hey, Nick, what's going on, baby? A little Daytona 500 for you this weekend? I, I, I heard you and Trey were locked in. No, locked I, in. I will not be watching, J.D. Okay. I'm not interested. I don't in, think I believe you, but okay. I'm not interested. Look, I hate <laughs> driving my car. I hate traffic. I definitely don't want to watch it on television. What he, about, like, driving movies? What about drive-in movies? Because you love movies. I, like, uh, I don't You're know. I like the drive-in for the nostalgia, but I hate car movies. Like, Fast and Furious, okay. I can't stand that. That was my next question. I think it's so bad. Anti-Vin Diesel. I like, well, I, actually, I think he got in trouble, so I'm not going to say oh, I like Vin okay, Diesel, see, I but um, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I'm just not a big fan of Fast and Furious. My friend Caden likes it, and I just What does Caden know, you know? Very little about movies. I don't know Caden, but it sounds, <laughs> like, sounds like he doesn't have a great opinion on movies. He doesn't. What's uh, going on in the chat, baby? What's oh, going man. on in there? Look, King Epic sure does know a lot about college football. Asks, what non-quarterback player are you most excited to see in 2024, JD? Ooh. That's tough. It's tough just to pick one. You know, it's funny. When we were going through that segment of top quarterbacks in the SEC, I'm really excited to see C.J. Daniels. Because that offense at LSU last year, they were humming. Humming like a hummingbird. Humming like, humming like a Daytona 500 NASCAR. Like, they were, they were rolling last year. A lot of production left from Brian Thomas to the NFL, Malik Neighbors to the NFL. C.J. Daniels could see him doing some good things in LSU's offense. That's just the name that came to my head. Uh, Caleb Downs at Ohio State, top player in the transfer portal. You add him into a defense that was top 10 in the country last year, top five in the country last year even, and you add him in there, I think he's going to be set up to do some really good things. So those two guys are the first ones that come to mind. I mean, Isaiah Bond at Texas. That, to me, gives Adonai Mitchell vibes when he transferred from Georgia to Texas last year and just did numbers like Goodwill Hunting. Same kind of thought process, I think, for a guy like Isaiah Bond on the 40 acres. They're going to throw the ball a lot. So those are a couple just off the top of the dome. I see NCAA sports clips. I don't know if that's a nod to uh, sports clips like, like the, the haircutting hair? place or if it's just like NCAA sports and we have clips of it. Uh, they're saying Xavier Estrepo going to be unstoppable. Hey, that's a dude now. Yeah, that's a dude. He's a problem in the slot. They're going to throw the ball around too with Cam Ward. So a lot of a uh, lot of guys we could go through here and talk about. But that's a that's a handful that we'll start with right now. Sounds good, JD. Uh, next question. This is coming from the Truth, um, which, by the way, the Truth must be a very loyal follower to the Andy Staples show as well, because my mm. buddy River, uh, who produces that show, was in here yesterday. And is like, oh, I know the Truth. Uh, so shout out to the truth. Yeah, the um, truth will set you free. <laughs> that it you will, know. JD. Um, the truth says it's February 15th. Prediction on which college football coach is on the hot seat this year? Oh, man. This is, this is like, and I hear the truth. I feel the truth. Also, here's the other thing. The truth hurts. You yes, know, it does. The truth hurts, and that's something that we would uh, have a hard time unpacking. Like, I understand why we do it. It's, it's not fun to talk about people losing their jobs. You know, like it's, it's just, it's not fun. The, the answer though, honestly, is like, hey, we'll see about Billy Napier. They have high expectations. They haven't met him. South Carolina, kind of the same thing. They have higher expectations because of what he did the first two years there, overachieved. Didn't make a bowl game last year. Probably woulda, shoulda, coulda, because they let up a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to Florida. But there's probably some uh, 
probably some some heat over there too. Now I don't know if I would agree with moving on from either of those guys just transparently. We'll we'll see what happens. Florida's schedule is ridiculous. I see Doc Nini saying Day, Ryan Day again. The guy where I'm like, no, he's I think he's a top five coach in college football. Like, I I get he hasn't met your standard, but like. Really? You, you want to fire Ryan Day? Who are you going to go get? Urban Meyer? Who are you going to go hire? You know, like, who are you yeah. going to have as your next head coach? Well, he'd go somewhere team. else and do, do well. And then everyone would be like, man, I told you we should have kept Ryan Day. Dude, if he was on the market tomorrow for any number oh, of reasons, be, let's just say Ohio State said we're going to evaporate our football team. Yeah. No more football team at Ohio State. Ryan Day would be an upgrade for, like, 99% of the country. Yep. I think, so. I think you're right, too, J.D. Um, Thanks, I think that's just kind of something that people say. Uh, Walter says, J.D., who are your top five quarterbacks for the 2025 NFL draft going into the college football season? Ooh. So we, yeah, that's a great question. I want to hear a couple of your thoughts on this too, Nick, because you follow the NFL closer than I. I can't tell how y'all feel about NFL draft content. We did some of it last year, and just quite frankly, the numbers that y'all gave us in terms of return there was like, we don't really care about the NFL draft. We said, hey, more power to you. We're cool talking about what y'all want to talk about. Um... I think for me, I probably feel like Caleb Williams is pretty generational. I understand we're in draft season to where we're going to talk about like a million different things that have nothing to do with football with these guys, like hand size and stuff like that. Caleb Williams is probably the first pick in the draft, if you're asking me. Dude, I understand the hype around Drake May. Oh, uh, J.D., um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We can go with this um, for the 2025 NFL draft. Oh, 2025. So we're talking more. I should have I I should have come in sooner. No, I'm in a blender. I'm in a blender. That's on me. Um, but like this talk, wait, what five quarterbacks do we think coming in at the end of this Ooh. year are going to be the top five quarterbacks That's that we're thinking? Well, and I'll rattle off that list too. So we'll give them ten quarterbacks. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, go finish that. that, that fine. Finish what you're saying now because I I'm kind of curious. So if it's me, I take Caleb Williams. I don't know if I like Drake May or Jaden Daniels more. I'll say Jaden Daniels, super good athlete. Can probably create some more plays. Drake May can do that too, but I love. I, I mean, I love both those guys. I'd be happy with either Drake May, uh, Jaden Daniels. Who else is even up there? Who else are we even Michael talking Penix? about? Michael Penix. JJ McCarthy. Dude, I might put JJ McCarthy. He's the kind of guy that the NFL teams will. will I'll like. go JJ McCarthy at four. I'll go Michael Penix at five. Okay. How's that? Bo I think Nicks. that's pretty straightforward, if you ask me. Bo Nix is up there too, right? Okay, so those are our yeah, five six. for twenty twenty four. For twenty twenty five. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll go Quinn Ewers at one. Arm talent. Played a lot of football at this point. I love the fact that he's been through, been through some adversity. I'll go Carson Beck at two. Shadur Sanders at three for me. I'm trying to think who else is coming out next year. Who else is coming out? Four and five. Maybe Dylan Gabriel at four? No, he's, he's, not, he's not probably the NFL size that you want. I'll go... Cam Ward. Cam Ward could be a top five guy. That's probably why he comes back to college is because he's not you mm-hmm. know, getting the reviews he wants right now. I'm struggling to even think of who else is in college. I mean, heck, <laughs> I we, we, we could think about, uh, I mean, who knows if Garrett Nussmeyer pops off and has a good year. He's eligible to go to the draft. I like that top three. I feel good about that top three. Let's come back to this a little bit later. I feel good about those three. I don't know about the, the other five. Mm-hmm. That'll kind of make, I mean, we, I don't know if we have Michael Penix as a top five draft guy. This time last year. No. You know, I guess he led the country in passing. Uh, Cotton says Jalen Milrow is the fifth. Jalen Milrow. Potentially good. Yeah, we'll good see. There. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I don't, I don't hate it. I just need to see more throwing the football, you know? Yep. 
Uh, what do you say? Two more questions. Two JD. more sounds awesome, brother. Uh, Matthew says, "Ask JD, what do you think Chip Kelly will do compared to Bill O'Brien would have done? Like, so, so let's just say the two hypotheticals, one mm. that's actually going to happen, one that would have happened. How different were they? I think the obvious one is the pace of play. And that's not to use a golf term. I'm horrific at golf, but I do think that Chip Kelly and that up-tempo style of offense, you, you're going to see more of that relative to Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien, too, just with, with his NFL pedigree, it would have been a little bit more of an NFL style of offense. Um, I think Chip Kelly's offense, transparently, fits better with what they have on this roster. They're going to spread the football around more. It's going to give Will Howard quick decisions. Now, the NFL system that Bill O'Brien ran, maybe that sets him up better for the NFL in terms of being comfortable with an offense when he gets to one of those 32 teams next year. And Will Howard could also be a top five guy, maybe, if we go back to that 2025 question. I think Chip Kelly's offense, to put it simply, going to be faster. You're going to see more two-back sets, and you're going to see more horizontal attacking when it comes to how they move the football. You're going to see them attack the edges of the field as well as run the football in the inside zone stuff. Um, so a lot we could talk about with that, but it's going to be fast and attack the perimeter, whereas I don't think Bill O'Brien's offense would have been quite as aggressive on the perimeter and wouldn't have gone at the same pace as Chip Kelly's. Okay. J.D., um, this last question from Happen, who has Clint Dempsey. That's a U.S. soccer legend as his profile Yeah, picture. I remember him. Yeah, I was going to say. Did he have a World Cup goal? Uh, he had a couple. He scored the earliest one in history, too, which I believe is – the profile picture that Happen has. Good for him. Uh, like 20 seconds into the game, so he that was pretty He kind of looks a little, little Robert Downey Jr.-ish, doesn't he? <laughs> he kind of does. Doesn't he? That's kind of how I Yeah, he kind of does. You know? he's a, yeah, he's a, he'd be a program guy, J.D. Clint I think Dempsey. so. I think so, too. Clint Dempsey. Yeah, program guy. Absolutely. Well, shout out Happen for that. Mm. This He says, SJD, is there a real chance we see Florida win less than four games this year? I have the schedule if you'd like to pull it up, Yeah, if, if you don't mind pulling it up, that'd be fun. I'll, I'll pull it up on here, too, just so we, we can be in lockstep. Is there a real possibility? Like as much as, so they could they could go four and eight and be the best four and eight team in the country. I think they could go four and eight and still be really good. But like, it's just the reality is they they have a brutal schedule, man. Like let's just read October or let's go yeah let's go October twelfth, all the way forward. So the back half of the season, you're at Tennessee. You got Kentucky, who was a tough team last year, and you know you saw as much when you went to Lexington and played them. They ran the ball all over the place. You play Georgia neutral site at Texas, college football playoff team last year. LSU, get them at home. We'll see, but they're going to be a top 15 team to start the year. Ole Miss, top 10, arguably top five team to start the year at Florida State. So that's the back half of the schedule where you're probably a little bit beat up. And who knows how the first part of the schedule goes, but we'll read that off too. Miami, I like Miami a lot this year, full transparency. You get them at home. Samford, okay, so let's go ahead and be generous and say Samford is a win. All right, I don't think that's a stretch. Samford's a win. Texas A&M could go either way. At Mississippi State, I think you probably win that game. I, I don't love what Mississippi State has in-house right now. I love Jeff Levy. I love where they're headed long-term. I don't know about them in this first season. Also, early in the year, you probably have a chance to uh, – to make some noise there. So if you if you want to win more than four games, want to win a, win a bowl game, you probably have to go three and one this first four before the bye week and then get UCF. But like, let's be honest, we just don't know what a lot of these teams are going to be. We don't know about UCF. We don't know about Mississippi State. We don't know about AM. There's like, there's very, very few gimmies. <laughs> very, very few gimmies for Florida on this schedule, which is just, it's brutal. It's life in the SEC. They signed up for it. But so to answer your question, it's absolutely possible. Would, would I pick it today? Probably not. 
I think they actually have a little bit more under the hood than what people want to give them credit for based on how they played some teams tough last year. But is it possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, they're they're really impressive by the fact that they just don't duck competition either. I mean, that's no, not a, not at all. They're like, ah, oh, let's just play every team in our state that's not in our conference, yeah. even though they're all going to be pretty good this year. Let's play UCF from the or Big great. 12. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point. Brutal. But, J.D., yeah, that's a tough one. Very I think they'll brutal. win five. And then, yeah, yeah I, think, I think five is honestly pretty fair. Five is fair. I would love to see them win six. My question is, I just I don't know if six wins – Mm-hmm. is going to be optically pleasing enough for, for it them. should be it's a for that schedule. schedule like be a little bit it's hunger games it is yeah absolutely brutal well man i uh on that note <laughs> on that note what do you say we uh we call it a thursday uh you head to the daytona 500 or what's your what's your plans this week <laughs> i am going to be watching some soccer my friend phenomenal phenomenal man you enjoy that we appreciate you and uh we'll do it again on uh do it again on Tuesday. We'll do it again on Tuesday. If I didn't get to your question, ask it again. That's that, man. Hey, shouts to Jackson Odette. Holding yep. it down. Holding it down in the studio. He's off camera right now, but he's uh, holding it down in the studio, producing the five-star flex. Obviously, super pumped to have him at On3 as well as Philip Dukes. Big, big ads to the On3 team and big ads, obviously, to the On3 Recruits channel. Go subscribe to that show. Subscribe to that channel if you have not already. Just bangers all the time, all the time on that channel. Hey, we appreciate y'all, man. Again, this is a place... When we talk college football, want this to be a mental vacation for y'all as much as possible. There's enough things that are negative in life that are going to come your way that have nothing to do with ball, nothing to do with the show. So we want to be as as much of a, a, a safe place for y'all as possible. And I say that very much so genuinely. And uh, again, we're just glad to have y'all a part of this. So subscribe on your way out. Like the video on your way out. Hey, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. It's college football all the time. Only college football here every single day. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700.
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.